0: Welcome to Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life Podcast. My name is Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of welcomeheart.com. What better legacy than to open our hearts to God and open our lives and homes to others? Jesus said, love me, love your neighbor. Sounds like a legacy life to me. Thank you for joining me. Hello. Today, I'm excited to introduce you to my new friend. Annie Perdue Olson. She has quite a story and uh, I love her legacy. I already asked her in advance, what is your legacy? And so you are going to be so uh, encouraged today and motivated, I'm fairly sure. And so Annie, if you could just start, she lives in um, Minnesota, which I live in California, as many of you know, and, uh, but she was born in Wisconsin. So we have that in common I was born in Milwaukee, but of course raised in Southern California, so I am a weather wimp. So Annie, if you could first uh, tell us, she is the um, host and founder of leadingbettertogether.com. That's your website. Are you a coach as well or a podcast? Yep. Okay. Yep. I'm a certified leadership coach. Yep. Certified leadership coach. Uh, you need to meet my friend, Lisa Lewis, and um, she has a podcast where she helps leaders lead better together which we're going to get into a little bit here but uh i'm happy that you're here thank you for blessing us with your time annie and first of all if you could tell us a little bit about your family then your uh work and then we'll talk about legacy
1: I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be on here. I'm so excited to be your friend. (laughs) (laughs) This is so much fun. Uh, I live in the Twin Cities and I'm married. My husband, Bernard, and I have been married for about 17 years. And we have a little girl together. We like to call her our retirement baby because my husband is nine years older than me. And Uh so he gets the senior discount and she gets the student discount. And so it's lots of fun. (laughs) But I have two holders too. Um, because I was married before my husband, Kevin, uh, and uh, we, he, his daughter is Kaylin and uh, he came into the marriage with her and we got married okay. and she, she came in with us. And then um, we how, had how Caleb old was together. She, how she old was, was she? five when we got married. Okay. So she's about five when we got married and you met him
0: in the twin cities.
1: I did. We met at church of all places. Isn't I that great? That. <laughs> yeah. That's why I keep telling my kids.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> I need someone else to tell them. Maybe they'll listen. Yeah. Um, listen so you met him in church and then what happened?
1: Yeah. Then we got married and uh, we, so he um, and I have a son together, Caleb, who's now 25 and uh, he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma oh. and my son was five and Kalen was 12 when he passed away. And that was after about a year and a half battle with cancer. I was on staff at church at the time. And I just, I think that was one of those pivotal moments in your life, for sure, spiritually, what happens between you and God, when you face a tragedy like that is, is unbelievable. But what happens with you and your people is also really amazing. And God brought some really pretty amazing people into my life. So when we talk about legacy, like one of my pieces about legacy, that's so important is friendship. And I think that that particular part of my story is really pivotal to why friendship is so important to me because I wouldn't be here today if it wouldn't have been for all the people that were surrounding me during such a hard time. Hmm. Um, And as far as ministry slash
0: business, describe that.
1: Yeah. So I have been for the last 10 years owner and founder of Leading Better Together. And I work with leaders in ministry to help them fix their people problems because I do think that it is better when we do this thing we call ministry together. Mm -hmm. Um, but I found a lot of pastors and leaders of nonprofit organizations and faith-based organizations, they do what they do because they have a vision, they have passion, or maybe they really care about theology. Mm -hmm. And so they go out there and they do this thing that they love. Only to find out that people really get in the way. (laughs) That sounds like being a mother. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Actually. Yes. 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 People
0: get in the way. Like we want you to act a certain way. Yeah. So do you come alongside to help the the leader or to help? I mean, to say that you fix people, that sounds Mm
1: -hmm. a little (laughs) difficult. I love that. No, I don't fix people, but I fix people problems. And most of the time that Mm -hmm. usually means for us taking a look at ourselves and how do we need to interact with others differently to help that dynamic shift and change. And so really that's what I do is I come alongside leaders and I say, what do you need to do differently to cultivate the healthy team that you want to get the kind of team that you've always dreamed of? And that's the shift that we're making. So I don't fix people. People are people. And I don't know. I don't know if anyone could fix me. (laughs) I I think only God can fix people. Yeah.
0: But that, what you just said was uh, dynamite. So if you wouldn't mind repeating it. So you help the person that's come up, come to you for help.
1: Yeah. You help
0: them to, do you ever have someone, well, now I'm asking another question. So remind me, but do you ever have people come to you and say, okay, I need you to fix my staff, Uh not realizing that you're actually going to coach them to look at themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So the, what you just said was, you know, hold on to that question. was what you, you help someone look at themselves to help them realize what they need to do differently.
1: Is that what you were saying? Right. Because relationships, uh, if, I mean, think about your own relationships for a minute. It's all about the dynamics of the interactions between you and that other person. There's no one problem in a relationship. It's the way we interrelate to each other. I can do the same kinds of things with you. And it's like we gel and everything works perfect. I can do the same behaviors with someone else and it causes clashes or frustrations. And we're all different people. God wired us all differently. So it's really coming alongside leaders and saying, how are you wired? What is the strengths, your God-given strengths in the way that he made you? And how do you want to leverage the strengths that you have to get the most out of the relationships around you? Uh-huh. That's what fixes people problems. So I'm not fixing people, but there's interrelationships and interdynamics that we are challenged by. And we are the one element in that dynamic that we have control over changing.
0: Mm. Wow. We are the one element. That's for sure. We can only cr- cr- Control ourselves. Actually, I say that when I'm talking to two people in conflict. Yeah. You can't actually tell them how to apologize. I have said that recently. (laughs) You can't tell them how to apologize. Oh, but this is the way they should, you know. And we all have that in our brain. Well, if you had only done this, then I would have behaved better. Right. So what what kind of excuses do you find from leadership Christian leaders who say, Oh no, it's not my problem?
1: Mm, What do you do with that? I have been blessed with usually people come to me because they're so desperate or they wanna fix a problem or they want a team to be really healthy that I don't have a lot of people that come to me and say, can you change them? I don't wanna change. Most of the people are willing to are coming to me are saying, what do I need to do to make this work? And so when people have that stance, it's pretty easy to work with them. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I did have a training session one time where I walked into the training session. It was like four people on a team. And the leader of the team had brought me in. Um, But one of the guys on the team, he was just like not wanting to be there. And he crossed his arms over and he leaned back in his chair and he goes, I don't think we need this. Oh, wow. And so it was just like, okay, all right. So I just leaned into that. And I think we spent the first half hour of the training session. I threw out my notes and I said, okay, so what do we need? And what do you want to accomplish? And what do you want to get out of this situation? He's thought we're not a team. We don't work together. And it's just like, okay, so what is a team to you? And so it's really using some of those great coaching questions, even in that dynamic to say, okay, so what was, what was, he didn't think we needed this thing, Well, yeah. what did he think this thing was? Yeah. And what is it that we really needed? And uh-huh. so I just dove right into that in the first half hour of the a conversation and throughout the notes. And it was just like the leader in the room watching that, you know, he'd been dealing with this difficult person for a long time, a long which time. is probably why he threw me in the room, threw yes. me to the sharks. Um, mm-hmm. but it was amazing for him to see it modeled that you don't challenge back when you get challenged like that, you move into under seeking to understand, like, how can I discover what it is that mattered to that person and why they were where they were at. I mean, that doesn't always work out. Sometimes I've had conflicts and I've had, I've been fired by a client. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, but it's because, I mean, the, the relationship dynamic was so difficult between the two and the two people really didn't want to change. And so neither one wanted to move their position. And when you've got a situation like that, actually, that's not a space for me, That's space for a mediator and you should I should send them to a mediator. So I needed to be fired so that they could bring in someone who could actually do some heavy duty mediation mm-hmm. because neither one of them wanted to move. But if people are willing to move, you can really do a lot of transformational things, through friendship and through relationship building. It's really amazing.
0: What do you say is the most important thing that needs changing in us to get along with each other?
1: Grace. Hmm. Mm. <laughs> so Meaning? I'll just let that land there for yeah. a minute, but I think that we need to have grace for ourselves and we have need to have grace for other people. Can you give us an example? Mm, I think we're all broken human beings in some ways. Uh, we've all got our challenges. And so we strive to be better or we... Um, feel lack of confidence in something. And so if we can be gracious with ourselves and kind to ourselves, then we can step into a space with our best foot forward. And so when I, so I mean, I was even dealing with a client earlier this week and there's just challenges with one of the people on her team. And it was like, how do you, we're just sitting there having a conversation about it. And she's focused on the frustrations of the relationship. You know, Mm -hmm. that's what she's talking to me about. And so instead of staying focused on the frustrations, I started asking questions to see if we could see the same situation from the other person's perspective. Hmm. And as we started talking about that, she was like, oh, I get it. I get why she's frustrated about this. Hmm. She feels scared, scared that something important to her is going to be taken away from her. And I was Hmm. like, okay, so now that we've got that understanding and we are now moving into a space of grace we can ask a different kind of question instead of how do I fix her and solve my frustrations, which is the start of the conversation. We move it to what is it that she needs from me so that she doesn't operate in fear and that moving space from frustration to grace and having grace for that other person changed the total approach that that leader would take when they have that conversation.
0: Wow. I think anybody listening would want you to come in and do some marriage therapy <laughs> while you're at it
1: because I do work with couples occasionally. Yeah. yeah. Um, just well, because, you know, when you're in ministry, you're in ministry sometimes with your spouse. So
0: what, uh, which I always admire and think that would never happen, uh, with me. Um, but uh, it's okay. We have different gifts. Uh, Annie, when you, um, have you ever felt like
1: giving up in your job? Yes. Um, probably multiple times. I can, I mean, there's like three stories that pop into my mind. Of, Give us one. Uh, Give us okay. one. Um, I think one of the most significant stories when I really felt like uh, giving up was um, after Kevin died, I would say that was the one thing place I really felt like giving up mostly because I just had, didn't have any energy hmm. and all of the things that I had hoped for or thought of in life kind of had been ripped out from under me and I didn't understand or know what my future held. And so, and I didn't have the energy to fight for it. I'm kind of a fighter. I like really go after things. I'm kind of a go-getter. And so when my go get my go getter uh, runs up dry and I got nothing left to give, Mm -hmm. um, I would say that's the place where I feel most like giving up. And I, I would say that's the largest scale give up space I've ever been in, but I've hit other ones since then Mm -hmm. that I feel like, you know, it's been hard and maybe it isn't worth fighting so hard for something.
0: No, no one would fault you for that. I'm sure no one did. Yeah. Um, I have. I'm curious as to why you didn't go into more coaching for grief, Mm. because you have experienced so much. So much of our ministry, as a fellow ministry person, comes out of our own experience because we tap into how God has helped us. Yeah. So, but instead you are a life coach for helping people get along with one another yeah. <laughs> so that they lead better. So I'm yeah. here. did you ever think you would
1: minister in the grief space? Um, you know, it's interesting because I don't feel like I do grief very well. So I don't feel like I have a whole lot to say about it, which is silly to say when I think about it, Sue, I don't do grief well. Like what kind of a judgment am yeah. I putting on myself when yeah. I say, who are you to shame grief? yourself? I know, exactly. We're just talking about giving grace to ourselves, right, and giving right. grace to others. And I just like, nope, not going to do that for you, Annie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I think I, do, I don't know if I feel like a, an expert in... um grief. I feel like it was a really messy thing for me. And it's something that even, you know, yeah, this last year would mark the 20 year anniversary of Kevin's death. And I'm still, I was still having like hard times. And I mean, I'm remarried and I have another baby and I have a great life and I don't have any regrets about the life that I'm living right now, mm-hmm. but I can still 20 years later be in that space where I'm just like, that was really hard. And mm-hmm. I really miss him still. Oh my yeah. goodness. You know, That's all right. It's just part of the story. It's part of the journey. And so I don't know. I think maybe this is why I don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) minister around grief or or do something in grief coaching. And it's not that I haven't ever had moments in my life where I've been able to come alongside other women who have lost their spouses or Mm -hmm. um, people who have lost their parents. Um, I've been able to walk alongside them in their grief, but it's very relational for me. Um, and I feel like maybe that's the difference when it comes to grief. It's like, okay, this person, this relationship, this situation, God's telling me to walk alongside you. And that's important to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But for my career, this is, you know, this is the other space for me. And I like both. I like walking alongside people and I like telling, coaching people through their pro- people problems. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I'm sure God will continue to use that because yeah. you're going to meet other people where their underlying problem is that they're not over their grief. Yeah. Yeah. And um, uh, before I forget, since I just heard this story before we started recording, so tell me about the second husband. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll just throw it out there and then I'll tell the story behind it because it is okay. kind of a fun and interesting story. But my husband now is my first husband's younger brother. Wow. So Kevin was my first husband and his younger brother is Bernard and he and I were married three years later. Um but what you have to know about Bernard is that he uh was he lived 3 blocks from me. So after Kevin died, I was a single mom and working full time wow. and trying to like do life and mm-hmm. it was super hard and he lived 3 blocks away from me. And so when I couldn't get home from work on time, he was the guy who went to the bus stop to get my son off the bus. Mm-hmm. And he was just there for us as a family, as an uncle. Sure. Um and we needed him to be an uncle. And, uh, it was great. And so I, uh, our relationship was just more of a friendship over that time. And it was really awkward. So my first husband was like an extroverted, um, marriage and family therapist and kind of like knew everybody and everything. And my husband now, Bernard is very introverted and he's a particle scientist. And so he studies wow, what a difference and are aerosols. That's his specialty. <laughs> wow. Um, so he much prefers the lab. Yeah. over <laughs> people. yeah, And so it was just this interesting dynamic because he's so introverted that I, he liked me, mm-hmm. but he was not going to say it. No, And so it was this really interesting dynamic because I also was like, I don't know what, how, I don't know how to deal with this relationship. So there was this like underlying subtlety going on and we didn't know what to do with it until I was at work one day and somebody asked me out. And I freaked out because I hadn't been asked out in so long. And it was the first time I'd gotten asked out on a date for anything since Kevin had passed. It was probably about a year and a half later. And uh, I went home and Bernard was watching my kids. Mm -hmm. And so he was like trying to help me with my freak out thing. And it was just like, as we were talking about it, I was was realizing, okay, so I'm freaking out because I don't know what's going on with us. Like, that's what I don't know. Like, that's why I'm freaking out. Is so like did so- you say that to him? I did. I said, so where are we at? Like, okay. that's how I asked it. I was like, so where are we at? And his response was, well, we're in your living room on your couch. Oh, yeah, of course. He's very practical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't understand nuance like how to spell it or what it means or yeah. how to do it. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we decided at that point that we would uh we would begin talking and having conversations about our relationship, but not talk about it to the kids because he's first my kid's uncle. Yeah. If this wasn't the thing that was going to work out for us, we're not going to involve the kids. Sure. So we told a couple of really close friends just to keep us accountable. And we spent the next six months just exploring what our relationship would be, and then decided that it was probably going to stick. And so we told the kids and they were ecstatic, delighted. delighted. They really did. And so he's known, he's known both of the kids since the day they were born. Wow. You know, so it's really wonderful. What a blessing. Mm -hmm. Still challenges though, different personality. Oh
0: yes. All all that. So, wow. I just love that story. Now going back to my uh, question earlier, where I said, when did you ever want to quit? I wanted to follow up. What kept you from quitting on any um, of those times? You could, don't have to go back to a yeah You know, what
1: what kept me from quitting was friendship. Wow. And so I like to tell the story of just like when Kevin was sick, I had so many people rallying around me, like an incredible amount of people. Um, the men's ministry at our church came in and uh, got the squirrels out of my shed for me. Mm. Um, and we had uh, ladies in the church that put together meals and came up to, brought them right to our house. And these weren't the kind of meals where, you know, it was just like one night. They were the kind of meals that lasted three nights, you know, wow. and, um, I just had people really coming around me and taking care of me. And I had people at work that were pitching in and doing part of my job when I couldn't Kevin had a stem cell transplant. So if you know anything about that, it's pretty much, they wipe out your immune system and for however many months, probably three months it was, uh, his immune system was super compromised. And so we couldn't go out of the house. Um, my family took my kids for a while so that I, that we wouldn't have kids bringing in anything into the home. And Mm -hmm. we just had people really rally around us and take care of us. And I think what, what made that hard is, is that when we lost Kevin, a whole community lost Kevin. Oh. And so we were all grieving. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think that that was super hard. At the same time, it was because we had this shared experience together and they had walked through this with me, so many people in so many different ways, some closer than others. Um, When it came to getting up and going back to work and getting up and being a mom again, Um, even though I was doing it all by myself, it was like, I knew I wasn't doing it alone. I had a group Mm -hmm. of people around me who were, who were there with me and had been there. And it was because of what they had done that I felt like I could keep going. Mm. So, I mean, I just, you can't develop relationships when you're in those kinds of crisis. So I really came out of that going, I am always going to be pursuing relationships. Like I'm always going to be in pursuit of the kinds of relationships that I need to have in my life. And I talk about it as being like, uh, like multiple kinds of relationships. Like I need the people that are in my corner, the ones that I can like spill my guts to, but I need relationships too, where I can just have fun, like where I can just go out and do fun things and, uh, just ha- engage in something. I need other friends who just like, we got a purpose we're yeah. like friendship, but we're focused on a purpose. And so I need all those, I need, friendships that are just like acquaintances out there that I haven't met yet that I still get to meet. Um, You know, those are the, so there's all these different kinds of friendships. And so, I mean, I'm always looking at my life going, okay, where's, where's my gap? Like I don't have enough intimate friends right now, or maybe I'm not doing enough social stuff. I'm not going out and getting out there and doing fun things. So I need more social friends in my life. So. Wow.
0: I've never thought of it being so analytical. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Well, you're obviously, a different extrovert than I am because when I teach on, I, I teach on building community, and I say, "Well, for you extroverts, you need 13 different friends." The trouble is, when something a crisis happens, I have to tell update so many different people. So that is my problem. Yeah. But uh, going into legacy, which I know is all about friendship, you made a very interesting statement. Um, when you first wrote me, you said a legacy of friendship is that's the legacy you want to give. And I can see that in your passion that you've just been saying, but you say it is uh, really the key for genuine transformation. Now I've never heard anybody say that. Hmm. Why do you say that? that? That to have a friendship is the root of all genuine
1: transformation. I think I say that because of what happened to me when I became, when I was pregnant with my daughter, who's now 10. Um, I have always been a career person. And when I found out that I was pregnant with her, it was unexpected. Um, and we didn't think we weren't trying to have children. We didn't think we would have children. And so I had to reorient my whole life. And I chose to be a stay at home mom the second time around, which was a hard transition for me going through that first year where I felt like my identity, which had been so much, my career was like ripped away from me and I had to reorient myself That was a time when I just really rested in God's arms. And I said, Lord, what is it that you have for me? What is my true calling? What is it that you've really called me to do? And as I asked him that, what he told me was, is that I've called you to be a friend. Wow. And it doesn't matter where I am and what I'm doing and what my career is that I have called you to be a friend. So that means when I parent, I'm working on building relationship with my kids. What does that look like to build relationship with my kids? Um, My um, son, who is now 25, um, he's the one who will call me up and say, Hey, mom, he did it today. Actually, he texted me and he said, mom, do you got 30 minutes to go for a coffee sometime today? And that's like what I want in my Mm -hmm. relationship with my kids. And then of course, to call me if something hard is happening and they need to just vent or whatever, but Um, That they just want to hang out with me because I want to hang out with them. Mm. It's the same way for me in the work that I do now as a coach is, is that I want to be the best kind of friend that I can be to my clients and friendship looks different with them than it does with my friend that is flying to Miami with me in three days. Mm -hmm. Um, But the friendship that I have with like, isn't it a beautiful thing to have someone that really just truly listens to you and loves you? the way that you are and accepts you. And in that listening helps you find a new awareness that you never knew you had. I was talking with a, another coach last week and I was just listening to her story and asking her some questions about it. And, and when we were done, she turned to me and she said, you just listened to me into awareness. Wow. And I was like, you got to trademark that. <laughs> yes. But that's, I think the power of friendship, really the kind of friendship that listens Um, the kind of friendship that asks questions, um, the kind of friendship that really cares about where that other person is at, that kind of friendship is transformational. I mean, my colleague who isn't even a client that I talked to a couple of weeks ago is walking away with more awareness about who she is and how God sees her because we had a conversation. Is that not transformational? Hmm.
0: What would you say to the man or woman listening today who is being struck with their lack of friends.
1: Mm.
0: I mean, without them tailspinning into, like, I think I just better go get a Starbucks or buy a new outfit, because that'll make me feel better. What, what kind of advice or counsel can you give them to find that friend?
1: Yeah, finding friends is a little, <coughs> can be a little bit tricky. And again, like you were talking about before, some of us are extroverts and some of us who are, are introverts. And so for me, as an extrovert, I just go get involved in something and friends come, you know, but if you are an introvert, that takes a little bit more work to just step out there into those social experiences. It takes more courage, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is work. Yeah, it is work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is work. And uh, so I think that it, but I do think that sometimes taking initiative is probably the ticket or the key. Totally. If we want to have friendships, then we have to do something. So it can be calling up an old friend that we haven't talked to in a while and reengaging that relationship. It can be going into a social situation. Hey, I like ice skating. You want to go ice skating with me? Um, or join? I would.
0: I wouldn't actually ever say that. You would ice never. That? Well, no. I live in California. We don't have yes. ice skating rinks yes. actually anywhere near me. But. <laughs> I think that was pretty funny <laughs> that.
1: Oh no, that's one I cannot identify yeah, with. Yeah. That's what you could go yeah. swimming. You could go. Beach I've had,
0: I've had people tell me this. Cause you know, I speak on hospitality and I say, if you don't have friends, you, ha- you host a party. I mean, I've told that yeah. to my kids. I have yeah. a couple kids who are struggling with loneliness for whatever in this season of their lives. And, you know, they might stop and say, well, I don't have anybody to invite even Mm -hmm. it's difficult. And I agree with you. You need to get involved with serving because when you join, like when I joined, um, a church, uh, when I was single, I joined the choir because it's a smaller entity. So that would be something you could do as well. I would say to suggest to someone who's feeling a dearth of friendship to join something and serve because out of service then brings you joy as well. It's kind of a selfish, selfish reason. But also to host some sort of a gathering. I have wine night, so I've invited over thirty-five women to come over tomorrow night or next Tuesday. I'm hoping they'll divide up. That's why I do two. Because 35, 35 is too many. Yeah. But uh, some of these women, um, they need to get together. They, mm-hmm. you know, they they don't have the wherewithal to do the inviting themselves for whatever reason. Right. Uh, and this is just uh, something that God's told me to do, and then from that come relationships with God and with one another and friendships are formed. So it's been a blessing. How much longer will I continue doing it? I don't know. Um, how are you currently, since you're back in career mode now, how are you currently passing along this legacy? I, I hear how you're doing it with your kids. I think that's, that's something that someone also might be envious of saying, gosh, my kid hasn't called me uh, in a week or a year. Uh, but to go to coffee with your, um, you know, as kids get older, they become hopefully your friends. You know, that's something I am definitely praying for. Sometimes I do have to say, you know, I do have a life stop calling me, but I'm grateful (laughs) underneath. I have to tell them, you know, I'm recording now. I go, mom, you could just, you know, put it on silent. I go, oh, well, you have to come home and teach me. But um, with the legacy uh, of friendship in mind, how are you continuing that? or Have you found any challenges that you've had to overcome to build this legacy uh, for others of
1: friendship? Mm -hmm. That's really good. I think, um, investing in my kids is probably my number one priority. I think the other thing is, is that I always am involved in something that's organized. Like I have a Bible study group that I'm a part of. Um, when I go to church on Sunday, I, it's I, like, I care about the sermon, but with all the podcasts and the online sermons out there, you can get some pretty <laughs> great treat teaching about anywhere you go. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't have to go far to get it. You can go to your living room, but, um, the friends that you can connect with and having meaningful conversations on Sunday morning is what church is all about for me. Yeah. Um, and I think that that comes with serving. So I do some sort of serving of some kind in any way that I can. And so I think it's just constantly, um, contributing to relationships. And I think that as I contribute more and invest in relationships, there's a payoff that comes from that.
0: Mm, totally. Uh, going back to something you said earlier, when you made the choice to be a stay-at-home mom, I remember I was I felt privileged to be a stay-at-home mom because I was 35 when I got married and then had a baby, uh, let's see, 12 months later or something like that. Very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it kind of wiped out my self-esteem because yeah. I had been a this or a yeah. that. And I had to work through it and realize that this was, I knew in my head it was the most important job, but I didn't always feel it in my day-to-dayness. Yeah. What encouragement can you give a mom out there who feels less than because they're not even using their education, like their master's degree or something? I always tease that I, I have a master's degree, I just can't remember what it's in which is kind of true, but um, but you can only joke about that when you've got, gotten over it. Yeah,
1: you can only joke about it when you've gotten over it. I mean, it was a year. It was at least a year where I was in that place where I just really felt like I wasn't contributing to the world and mm-hmm. making a difference and having meaningful impact as kind of a core value and so changing diapers and, um, Briella was a preemie. So the first three months she was, she didn't wow. reach like birth weight until she, until she was like two months old. She was so teeny wow. and it was just a lot of work. Um, it, you just don't feel like you're contributing to make a difference or meaningful in the world. But as she got older and, uh, I, and I started seeing, okay, how can I make a difference? I just did little things. So I got a membership to the YMCA which was great because they had childcare so I could get a two hour break. I worked out more than, than any other time. And then I would read a book and have a cup of coffee and and relish every minute of those two hours that she could be in childcare but they gave you guest passes. And so what I did is, this: I joined a mom's group and I reached out to some of the other moms in the mom's group. And I used up every guest passes when they would send out surveys and say, Hey, you can get 10 guest passes. If you fill out the survey, I'd fill out the survey and get as many guest passes as I could, because I felt like that was my ministry Mm. was creating space for these moms to get a two hour break from watching their kids work out with me and then just walk around and have a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. And it seems small. It seems like not a lot, but holy cow. Mm -hmm. These like talk about friendship transforming lives. Mm -hmm. It was one of those things that I feel like that was, I got so many guest passes acquired at one point (laughs) that I actually did a summer mom's group where we had like 10 moms show up for like six weeks and I had enough guest passes to get their kids into the Y care. I had to go wow. to the YMCA ahead of time and ask permission. Cause I was like, we're going to inundate you for two yes. hours with all these kids. Would that be okay? Um, but it was just like, those are the kinds of things that you just start finding another way to express it, especially when you see your calling, not as a career. I mean, separating that calling from career is really an important thing. I think for us, the calling that God has for us is so much better and so much bigger than a career a career is just simply one way we can express it and that can change
0: so what how would you define a calling
1: then for that
0: woman or man sitting here going well i don't even have a calling yeah
1: well i think we all have a calling to express the love of jesus in the world Mm -hmm. and so how are you uniquely going to do that because of the way that you're wired and I think that was my prayer during that season when I was a stay-at-home mom and couldn't figure it out is is like, okay, Lord, I know the Bible says, you know, to, to love God, love others. And that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So if I, if I'm supposed to be loving God and loving others, that's my calling. How does that look for me? Mm-hmm. And that was when I really felt like, you know, being the best friend I can be is really what that looks like for me.
0: Well, that sounds like the answer to my last question, which is how do you embody the welcoming heart of God? which is the theme of this podcast. And, and it sounds like it's the theme of your life as well to welcome uh, other people into friendship, to help them come alongside and love each other the way God has called us to. Is there anything more that you want to add to that?
1: No, I mean, yeah, let's love God, love others through friendship and we will change the world.
0: Mm. And what do you do when you come when someone wants to be your friend, but you don't really like them? (laughs)
1: Oh, such a good question. I think that there are, it's okay to not to define what kind of friend that you can be. There are certain people Mm -hmm. that in your life that come in. And uh, I had one a couple of years ago that came in, but she was in a space of what she needed from me. Wasn't something that I was in a place to give. And so I was able to say that to her and say that I can't give this to you right now. um, But here's what I can give you. And so I was able to connect her or make a connection to some other people and some other ministries in the twin cities here that probably could be a better fit for what she needed. Hmm. And so that's the, I became a resource friend to her, not a personal friend. I didn't, but but I was someone who could share resources with her and create Hmm. connections for her. And I think that's another way to express friendship.
0: I do that all the time, but I'd never put a name to it. I just thought, Oh, well, I don't think I'm the one for you, but I bet this one Is Mm -hmm. and they take off. I know. (laughs) And it's such it's a relief, but it's also a blessing to them because you're actually setting them up. Um how can you help others do what you're doing? And we'll end with that Mm. as far as helping them match up. I mean, we just mentioned one that you're a resource, but um, what if someone came to you and say, Well, Annie, I want to do what you're doing and be Mm. a better friend.
1: I would have them start with writing down a list of people that they already have connections with Mm. and then praying over each one of those persons and asking God which one he wants them to reach out to and how they should Mm. reach out to them. I mean, you got to start with who, you know, you know, and we all know people and we don't initiate uh, an invite. And if we just started with who we knew, I think it would just ripple effect out from there. I think we
0: could go on the road and speak together because (laughs) I'm always, you know, sometimes people say, well, Sue, it's because you're an extrovert that you have all these friends. I go, no, I work at it. Uh I invite and you take initiative and they'll say, well, I don't want to, well, then you have to ask the question, Why don't you want to, what is inside of you that you're afraid to reach out? I've had women say, well, I've had people not come when I invite. Well, of course that's rejection. You, you interpret that as rejection. Maybe someone was just a flake, like I've been a flake and forgotten to come sometimes (laughs) sometimes. So I think this has been so encouraging and where can people find you if they want to have a, you give them a 27
1: free strategy session. Where Where can they find you? check me out at www.leadingbettertogether.com. Right on that page is a button. You can click and set up a free 27 minute strategy session with me. And in that 27 minutes, we will talk through the challenge that you feel like you're facing in your relationships and see if we can come up with a plan for a next step that you can take that feels doable to you. And um, is this only for women in business? It is actually for any leaders in ministry. Um, so I work mm. with Christian business owners. I work with uh, pastors. I work with executive directors, um, anybody who is doing any sort of leadership in ministry. And I really like to get practical and and strategic in the way that I approach what I do. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Lead Your Leaders, a podcast to get the team you've always wanted, is so important to me because I have that it's on my website. You can get links to the episodes there, but it's a podcast that just where listeners and leaders submit questions and either I, or one of my guests answers the questions. It's really practical stuff about, you know, how do I get along with someone whose personality is different than me? How do I run a meeting that actually gets where I want it to go? You know, I mean, some of those basic kinds of questions, like what do I do when I'm on the verge of burnout and I don't want to go over the edge? Those are the kinds of questions that people are submitting and and we're diving into tactical ways to approach How do you do this thing we call leadership and get that team that you've always wanted?
0: Wow. So practical. No wonder it's been so successful. And you just started this new podcast recently. So I'm so proud of you.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be
0: your friend. One thing I neglected to mention is that recently I uh, rebranded and this gal, Annie, so smart, helped me figure it out. Uh, and it was all changed over from Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life to Welcome Heart, Living a Legacy Life within a week. So I personally thank you, Annie. And I'm going to send you some free recipes, which is Yay! of course what you always wanted. Of so, course. <laughs> thanks so much for your time today.
1: Thanks for having me, Sue.
0: It's a blessing. Bye. Bye. Until next time, think about your legacy. The one God has called you to live all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at WelcomeHeart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.